0: This is FYI, a series of podcasts featuring the biggest challenges in marketing and advertising telling their stories. These are honest and open conversations and will break down the barriers as to the who, the why, the what and the how of best-in-class marketeers from a variety of different sectors. Each week we'll be profiling a different person, learning about their journey and having a bit of fun along the way. This week's podcast guest is Alex Harris owner and head of marketing of London Esports, a UK-based esports organisation. Alex is a natural innovator and esports marketing extraordinaire, having worked in senior roles at XL Esports, KFC Gaming and the Esports Awards, all while studying for a degree at the University of Bristol. We talked to Alex about his journey getting into esports and the challenges facing a young marketeer balancing university studies and full-time roles making major decisions in professional esports organisations. My name is Chris Gunn, co-founder and managing director of Love Gunn, and this is FYI with Alex Harris. Hi Alex, how's it going? Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Good to to see you. So, uh, each of these podcasts, I like to do a bit of a quick-fire question, break the ice. So, what do you believe is the greatest ever games console? Oh, um... I think at the moment,
1: I think the new stuff looks really exciting because I think it gets all across the whole, like, gamut. So, like, I kind of want to say the cheap Xbox that's, like, 250 quid or something, brand new. Okay. Like, crazy, amazing
0: console and everything. Yeah.
1: I reckon that could be the greatest console ever. Mm. And it's kind of gone under the radar because I've spoken about it because it's, like, the sort of budget-friendly option. So it's not that cool to talk okay. about as uh... a console of getting people into yeah. playing more
0: games i like that yeah that's a good bit of advice as well you know get to, to, to all the parents out there get your kid get your kid the cheapest xbox <laughs> they like, um, love it. yeah so what about what is the greatest game you've ever played slash owned
1: um i think probably the game that has to have a very special place in my heart is, is minecraft because i spent far too many hours as like a child and then sort of young teenager playing that game okay. and like it never got boring because the game is so open mm. like so you can just sort of do whatever you want in it like you nice. can be creative and create some nice art or you can mm. be competitive or you can play with your friends casually or seriously or by yourself like i yeah. think that flexibility meant that yeah i just i played it for hours and hours and hours of the child
0: nice i like it you still playing now?
1: um Occasionally, my girlfriend will like jump on her laptop and like, send me a message. Okay, she occasionally
0: jump on. <laughs> nice, <laughs> bit, of, bit, of, uh, bit of special time together playing Minecraft. <laughs> um, what, uh, what is your favourite holiday destination? going from gaming to holidays
1: oh favorite holiday destination um does that have to be somewhere i've been or
0: or no 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 wherever you want i'm just thinking you know with all this covid stuff let's dream let's dream big
1: let's dream um i was okay really boring one but uh i was in la for an event once like over a year ago now and i got basically one morning before i got my flight home to just hang out in la and just do what I want and there's there was so much cool stuff in downtown LA like mm. massive sort of secondhand bookstore slash record shop slash mm. sort of like art space thing that was really cool and just loads of really nice stuff like that but not somewhere I've been I'd really like to go to sort of East Asia okay nice like Southeast Asia yeah. kind of like Korea Japan I think mm. there'd be a lot of sort of um interesting sort of like cultural mixes there because so I think especially when you look at like Korea and Japan there's been such heavy sort of um influence from america on their culture yeah um, but at the same time there's a lot of very like traditional sort of um, elements of their culture that have been running on for thousands and thousands of years
0: nice good answer both both are on my list too i haven't been to la i've been to america many times but not la and yeah the the same areas of asia very keen um so you're currently living in bristol what is the best thing about living in bristol
1: um i really like in bristol it feels a little bit like um anything goes sort of um, I think it's very like people don't uh, sort of have expectations or judge like other people for like doing stuff that's weird essentially like people are generally pretty like interested and friendly and that sort of thing which Mm. has been really nice Yeah.
0: yeah cool is that why you've got this bleak blonde like slim shady look down
1: <laughs> it's
0: actually just the norm like it feels like everything nice i like it and um, final bit of fun question netflix are you watching anything good at the moment you could recommend or if not a uh, you know another streaming service that's not yeah. name names
1: people just do nothing
0: oh Absolutely okay
1: excellent yeah it's about yeah pirate radio show and these like bunch of geezers who uh yeah playing
0: garage music on a pirate radio show and it's a what do you call it uh documentary uh, yeah Excellent. nice yeah i've uh, i've dabbled but uh, i haven't committed my wife absolutely loves it so uh, yeah good choice nice. nice that was the the fire fun question so let's learn all about alex harris you are currently a student studying what you're studying
1: uh doing marketing BSc.
0: Okay, nice. But at the same time, you're studying, but you're also making ways in the esports space. We first crossed paths a couple of years ago now, um, when you were involved working with XL esports, uh, pretty much making key marketing <laughs> decisions uh, for what was about to be a, a big European um, LEC side. So I'm just interested to know, kind of first off, how did your journey kind of come to fruition in terms of being so involved in esports? How did it all come about? Where did the passion come from?
1: yeah so i think um like everyone i always sort of loved games as a child who works in this industry and um i played one game in particular quite a lot called counter-strike i was quite competitive did quite well in the uk um a lot of the people i played with at the time are now uh, sort of very successful professional players and that game or other games um and to be honest they just had slightly more natural talent than i did mm-hmm. and I, I guess i sort of recognized that quite early on but you know i still wanted to be involved and so looked to other opportunities to get involved yeah um, and i got very heavy into sort of like content creation and journalism specifically around the uk because at the time there wasn't anybody doing that much stuff about the uk um i did a few bits and pieces here and there i did some pr work um sort of as part of that and like yeah just like lots of little odds and ends for lots of different people um and then yeah excel was really the first time that i went like properly like full-time into a project um and that all came about very sort of suddenly essentially but i went from sort of doing bits and odds and odds and ends here to being launched yeah straight into like full-time marketing and esports and like yeah that project just blew up so quickly from like the two of us that like very quickly i had to take on a lot of responsibility and um make a lot of key decisions I guess.
0: Mm, yeah exciting so how, how did it come about obviously you met Kieran and kind of got introduced to Excel but obviously you know you, you were what 18 at the time?
1: Yeah so it's... I I'd literally just finished school and my plan after finishing school was to go to Sweden and live there for a bit because um, my mum is Swedish and I wanted Swedish citizenship for when Brexit came around. Um, so I thought, like, let's go to Sweden, I'll have a year in Sweden, chill out, have loads of fun, I can apply for my citizenship cause I'm living there, etc. Um, I got there, did all the hard stuff, did all, like, learn, like, got my Swedish up to a good level, you know, went through, like, mountains of bureaucracy, um, at which point, essentially, yeah, I got the like sort of through email correspondence essentially got into a position where I had two organizations in the UK offering me full-time work if I came back to the UK. Wow. And so essentially I had this either carry on with my plan as it was, or just like completely pivot, move back to the UK within the next couple of weeks and try and smash it out with Mm. eSports. And yeah, I met Kieran for lunch when I came back to see family once and just decided you have to completely pivot and, um, essentially abandon my plans in sweden and then go for
0: esports instead wow brave mood then because obviously you know you 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 were yet to go to university as well so um i think many people like to be on a jolly the year before uh, <laughs> year before university so you dove straight in so what was what were the early days of that role then obviously you mentioned marketing pr advertising i know with esports organizations especially like startups you've kind of got to do a bit of everything but um yeah what was the main kind of um main part of your role
1: yeah. So like essentially the, like, if you think of an esports business or like really like a sports business, to be honest, the sort of three main areas you have is like your competitive sport. You have the sort of building the brand of that team and like, you know, getting fans and uh, building interest in the team and then selling sponsorships. Um, and essentially uh, the CEO at the time dealt with sponsorships. I dealt with the sort of marketing part of the business and together we sort of did bits and pieces with the teams. Um, sometimes it was more on him and sometimes it was more on me. It depended on the event and the team, et cetera. Um, but yeah, and it meant that literally having to do everything from sort of like making small bits and pieces of social media content and tweeting out to sort of account managing sponsors that we had at the time and making sure that they were getting the ROI that they had paid for. Mm. Um, which yeah, in a way was carnage, and it meant that sort of like
0: nothing quite got done right, but everything mm. got done yeah. um, but at the same <laughs> time.
1: We, I mean, I learned so much at that time because it was just getting involved in everything.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that it meant that sort of afterwards, like I've you've been sort of freelancing
0: for about a year at this point. Yeah, I've done a little bit of everything, mm. and so if a hole
1: needs plugging, I can probably plug it which has been
0: yeah nice so do, do you do you like that then in terms of your role do you like doing a bit of everything or have you learned from that experience actually no I you know I want my niche to be a bit in this area
1: I think the the most fulfilling thing from that whole experience was um in about the last 18 months last year I sort of got the opportunity to essentially build a team out underneath me um to sort of do all of the yeah marketing and sort of deliverable and sponsorships and that sort of thing at exile um, and that process of sort of building out a team and um all the challenges that come with sort of like managing a team of like six or seven of us and making sure work isn't getting missed making sure people feel like they're developing and growing um making sure people are you know recognized for the good work that they've done mm. was like definitely the most interesting part and the thing that i think i enjoyed the most mm. um Which, yeah, is kind of interesting because then that's something I guess I've not been able to do as much since. Mm. Um, But yeah, that was probably like the, the best part, definitely
0: yeah it's fascinating i mean you know you mentioned all those things there in terms of like building a team looking after the team making sure that you were you know providing roi for businesses it is the way that any profitable business works so you were learning all of this in just such a short period and obviously kind of the beginning of your career what stands out as the the biggest achievement for you at at your time at excel was it you know um either something you enjoyed the most or something that you're really proud of doing
1: i think um I think the fact that we made it through that selection process into the LEC, mm. um, I think was um, like, I don't think anybody had us pegged. Like at the time there were so many like uh, large journals that were sort of publishing uh, sort of rumor lists, if you will, of who's been in talks, who's potentially coming up, you know, and these weren't like small endemic papers. These were the likes of sort of ESPN and Sky Sports. Um, and nobody had us down on those lists for a very very long time um and I remember it all sort of came together in sort of mid-November which is roughly what my birthday was mm. um, I was back in London for that so it was this like incredibly intense but very exciting sort of week when mm. suddenly the rumors started to get out that that actually they might be considering this small organization from the UK that's you know it's only three guys compared yeah.
0: to <laughs> Barcelona and Real Madrid and stuff um and yeah just have it all sort of
1: come together and i, I it was the sort of two year anniversary or something it was, yeah, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and Ryan, one of the people I was working with at the time tweeted about us all being sat in this, like Costa coffee together <laughs> as the adults of went live and like, you know, social split off and everything. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. I mean, we, we, you know, we're, we're not as, you know, we've, been in and around the esports space for a while now but obviously we'd met you guys um and just by coincidence then you went pro <laughs> a few weeks later got into the lec and then that's obviously when we worked together um so yeah mad, mad period and yeah what a learning curve so fast forwarding to you know you, you mentioned that you've been freelancing for the last kind of 18 months since um leaving excel and doing other bits what have you been up to and um kind of what's going on obviously you're you're juggling the large responsibility of a degree at the the same time so how's that all going
1: yeah i think um i think i'm quite fortunate as in um, i think a lot of people that come into a degree to a degree haven't necessarily worked beforehand and so therefore for them a degree is like the biggest workload they've ever been under whereas for me like it you know it's definitely work but it's not um it's by no means like something that sort of all-encompassing for all of my time mm. um and one of the benefits of freelancing is that when university workload increases then i can just decrease on the amount of jobs i'm taking on mm. and when there's less university work i take on more jobs yeah um in terms of like projects and stuff i've been involved with there was like a few like odds and ends with um kairos media at the start who are like a, a really fantastic sort of social media influencer agency yeah i have a very good relationship with and mm-hmm. um, they look after me very well to be honest yeah um but after that i did a sort of short stint with. Uh, monster rugby club and their sort of foray into esports which was was very exciting and unfortunately basically had to come to quite a swift end because of um some things that were outside of my control essentially which was a shame but at the same time like it was definitely for the best Mm -hmm. um and since then the sort of i guess the biggest thing freelancing wise that i've done has been with the esports awards most recently yeah um where they put on their 2020 show and you know traditionally it's out in texas in a massive studio huge live crowd massive stage all this sort of stuff and unfortunately because of covid none of that's possible mm. um, so they've had to take a massive pivot with their show and essentially mm. produce a sort of cgi yeah. environment and flying around this sort of cgi environment with green screened presenters brought into the show and incorporating sort of home footage from people um, and then at the same time, as well as that, deciding to put on a business conference alongside the show again, all online. Yeah. Um, and essentially I got brought in to essentially plug the hole on the business conference because nobody was really pushing that forwards and to take on um, some responsibilities around that main show because of how big a pivot they had to make in such a short period of time. It was just like wasn't possible with their sort of current team.
0: Interesting. So is the, have the awards concluded now? How did it all go?
1: Yeah, it went really, really well, actually. I was... I think we were all expecting a lot of tech issues because of the fact that, yeah, we had, we didn't want to just do a sort of traditional zoom live stream that you would see like out of most people at the moment, to be honest, Mm. we wanted to do something that felt special and premium because it's been a really tough year for, I think a lot of people. And so like celebrating the industry and this year in that industry had to sort of be something special to recognize how difficult things have been. Yeah. Um, and so yeah that sort of big pivot I think we were all expecting a lot of issues and there were there were definitely a lot of issues but (sighs) thankfully it sort of all came together at the last minute yeah um which I think is like you know the main thing that
0: we're all really really worried about. Um, but yeah, it all came together, so it was yeah, it was good fun. Amazing, congratulations. So yeah, I mean yeah, it's a totally interesting journey. So do you feel you know obviously in in business people are very sensitive about you know you get a degree and then you go to work you probably you know you do years of internships to get to the right role. Do you feel like do you have problems either when you're pitching yourself as a freelancer because of your age is there ages in there or um you know do people question your experience because of that i'm just interested looking at the typical business world is that in esports is that kind of less so because it's esports or how how what's your experience been
1: um i think it depends a lot on who you talk to to be honest um i think um I definitely make a very conscious effort to hide my age every single, like even on stuff like social media or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I know that people will take me less seriously because of my age. Yeah. I think I'm in a fortunate position where if I didn't have a degree, I would probably be fine. Yeah. But, um, it's more like a sort of, it's a great sort of plan C, plan D, whatever. (laughs) Um, and I know I know a lot of people, for example, who are in similar positions where they have a lot of experience, they just haven't had that sort of one marquee moment in their career yet. Mm-hmm. And even though they have a good amount of experience, they don't have a degree and therefore struggle to sort of get in through doors. Okay, yeah. um, and so I definitely think that still is an issue that sort of exists within our um, sort of uh, industry like sort of many others. But I think it's probably slightly slightly easier to take those unconventional routes into industry. Mm. Um, because most people tend to have slightly unconventional routes, just because of well the nature of the industry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know it's not like you're going into these businesses you know helping out with a bit of admin, being an intern. You're actually you know in key decision making roles, um, making a difference. And obviously you know we've worked to kind of top line together for a while, and uh, you definitely know what you're doing. So it's good. It just shows you know that leap of faith, making sure that you um, you know getting people that have their kind of feet on the ground actually understand the audience and you know what they're doing is. Um, really of use to brands so we've talked obviously about how it began and you know um your freelance stuff so now obviously you're invested in a project um time kind of working with London esports what uh, how did that all come about and what what's what's going on
1: yeah so um it originally started I mean I've because of my background in Counter-Strike you know i have always sort of keeping one eye on like how old teammates are doing and how things are progressing and <laughs> um, especially Uh, within the industry the sort of uk counter-strike sort of scene if you will is Mm. always um, it it definitely there's a certain sort of stigma attached with it it can be quite unprofessional and there isn't really anybody sort of breaking breaking new ground in in the scene particularly and the players are sort of left to fend for themselves a lot yeah Um, and one of the names that did consistently come up as sort of of, a somebody doing great work was london esports and so i sort of yeah got them on my radar sort of sometime last year through that um this year since going freelance i had this opportunity to work with monster rugby and um, around the same time the ceo of london sports reached out to me and asked if i wanted to get involved with them and i sort of politely declined and essentially said look i'm really sorry but i've already signed with a competitor for the short term so you know maybe we'll have this conversation again later in the future Mm. um we ended up having that conversation later again in the future um And I think for me, the most important thing with any of these sort of startup ventures is the the people that are involved, because Mm. I think they make the biggest difference. Like, I think um, what your product is at the start doesn't really matter. I think Mm. that will inevitably change as you sort of grow and develop. Um, You know, I think what market you're involved in, I think, you know, how many social media followers, I think none of this stuff really matters at the start. And I think the thing that's most important are the people that are involved. Mm. Um, Because if you have the right people involved, they're going to... You know, they're going to go to the ends of the earth to sort of protect each other's back. They're going to um, make the right decisions down the line if that involves pivoting on product or market or whatever. Um, and, yeah, something that stood out to me straight away from London was how much that the sort of people there stood out. Mm. Um, and it was very sort of like... I hadn't really heard anyone talk about it. Like, I hadn't really anyone say, like, oh, by the way, the person making content for London esports is actually absolutely insane has a background of working with universities he's got like a, a degree and he's been making content for 10 years and like all this sort of stuff um and it's like yeah I don't I don't know why nobody's nobody's still talking about it To be honest. but yeah I think for me that really like stood out when first talking to Alfie was actually the, sort of the caliber of the people that were involved mm. um and even since uh my sort of getting involvement there's already been a lot of interest from some sort of like high caliber individuals who have backgrounds outside of e-sports and, you know, traditional sports and music, et cetera, um, who also really want to get involved. Hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, for us, it's, well, for me personally, it's always really, really been about the people that are, that are there.
0: And, yeah it's interesting so what's the what is the what's going on in london esports then what's what's your what's your role entail and also like what what is the future you know you talk about reaching out to brands and bringing you know a great team on board Where is you know if if there's a, a business person out there that doesn't know much about esports what is london esports doing to make money and you know and to to grow
1: yeah so um I think uh, the biggest thing for me has always been that I guess there's a sort of a sort of formula for successful esports organisations which a lot of them follow Um, especially so I feel around marketing like there's a lot of sort of um, copying pasted ideas in terms of uh, you know a lot of them produce a monthly long form documentary a lot of them base their entire social media presence around Twitter Um, I'm trying to think you know Yeah, I think that things in that realm, there's definitely like a sort of formulaic approach to a lot of these top esports teams. Um, And I think for us, the big thing has really been uh, us sort of challenging that formula where possible. Um, For example, you'd expect video games and sort of esports teams to be very on it about getting on TikTok, for example, because of how young the audience is on TikTok. They're all, you know, going to be able to play games. And to date, uptake from esports organisations has been really, really slow. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, for us, we see it's like,
0: it's free real estate essentially with like very little competition.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a platform that at the moment is known for blowing people up. And so we've gone quite hard on TikTok. Um and have, you know, like a, a large sort of TikTok gaming influence assigned to the brand at the moment, um, and uh sort of working with them or making content, etc. That has been sort of really exciting. And the aim is to sort of take that same, I guess, principle of looking for these sort of uh underdeveloped areas in the ecosystem currently
0: and sort of uh, going after them head on essentially Mm -hmm. um so you know i think there's been
1: a very sort of lackluster play at doing sort of geolocated teams um we've seen them in big franchises like the overwatch league and in the call of duty league for example where um they will give teams cities essentially and as part of their sort of uh, massive franchise fee that they're paying to be a part of these leagues they're sort of essentially being given a city that they have to sort of align their brand with Mm. the problem is that very rarely do these sorts of um investors into these leagues sort of match the the city that they've been given Mm. um the example i often give is that the london team for the overwatch league is operated by an american brand with american and canadian investors and a full korean roster and at no point do I really feel like any of them have spent any substantial time in London? <laughs> so their sort of messaging and sort of the way they've built their brand is um, perhaps brilliant in terms of like you know they've won some tournaments and stuff, so they've engaged a big audience. Mm. But have they like, actually engaged the sort of London audience in yeah. a way that like Londoners want to be engaged with? Like mm. not at all. Yeah. Um, and so despite potentially having massive social media followings, their you know in-person events in London can have five people turn up or something mm-hmm.
0: um and so our approach
1: is really coming out from the complete other end of the spectrum which is rather than like let's start with the money and the big names etc we're actually starting as you know essentially a group of londoners um and building a brand that is actually going to represent those londoners uh and connect with those londoners and we've already seen that so far and then scale from there um, and so far it's been um
0: brilliant what now three four four months i've been there it's been it's been really good fun interesting so if i'm a if i'm a brand that you want to work with or you know i'm you know a partner you want to get involved why london esports where where is the opportunity where what what what, why how where
1: yeah (laughs) Uh, so i think i think for me there are like three um what's the word, like three sort of standout things that I think at London Esports, we do much better than uh, anyone else in the sort of esports industry. I think, first of all, as I've said before, we're a London Esports team run by actual Londoners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is such a massive unfair advantage. It can't really be over, overstated. I think, secondly, the experience that we have in the CD leadership team, we have one announcement to come, but, um, very senior figure from the Premier League is going to be involved with us and is extremely hands-on, much more hands-on than I thought he was going to be. Um, But I think that means that we have a sort of a senior leadership team at this organisation that is um, significantly better in terms of sort of experience, in terms of just like, you know, if you just look at, at the CVs combined between our team, I think it is, yeah, heads and shoulders above anybody at our level. And I think Comparable to you know teams that are hundred times our size, um, because we all have a sort of background before London esports in in this sort of sphere of the business world, should we say? Um, and I think the last thing is that we, I think in esports there's a big issue with uh, sort of uh, virtue signalling and people sort of talking the right talk, but then not necessarily backing it up with the right walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is especially prevalent or I think it becomes very obvious as soon as you realize that everybody in the esports industry and like literally 99% of people who are sort of management figure or higher are sort of straight white men um which I think has been has caused a lot of sort of uh, underlying issues within the industry yeah. um which have yet caused a lot of damage and I think like make it at this point extremely difficult for people that aren't straight white men to sort of access the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and something that we have always done from the start is, uh, really try to sort of reassess those points and sort of engage a sort of broader community in actual action rather than just sort of like talking the right talk. Um, so, you know, for example, I am giving, um, free lessons on esports to like roughly about a thousand BTEC students in London over the course of the next month. Um, as part of their sort of BTEC business course, they mm-hmm. actually have to do a coursework project on esports and building their own esports team. Um, and you know, I'm I'm going to get out there and just like try and help these these kids do something that potentially a large portion of them have never heard of before. Yeah. Um, you know, we we are going to be probably the only uh, sort of esports team board in Europe that will have somebody gay on the board and somebody who's not white on the board. Um, you know, this is stuff that like everybody is talking about in this industry but nobody has Not doing any awesome
0: it action. Mm, yeah.
1: Um, and yeah we're extremely sort of keen on, on like actually doing something about it rather than just sort of like talking the big talk
0: amazing so yeah it sounds like great work um, and yeah I'm excited to watch that journey so I think it's talking on like more of a general um, layer now which I'm sure you're sick of talking about because people are always trying to pick your brains being young in, in esports but you know what can you know other, other brands and like, let's not talk sports because it's always what can sports teams learn from eSports teams but what can lifestyle brands um, and consumer culture what can that learn if anything from eSports in terms of gauging, engaging new audiences?
1: I think um, I think eSports has a lot of things it doesn't do right but I think one of the things that eSports will consistently and always has done right is um, social media and sort of digital, Uh, presence especially on sort of other people's platforms Mm -hmm. i don't think the industry is there yet to have people on their own platforms yet yeah um but it always astounds me how weak especially a lot of sort of um major sort of like fmcg and sort
0: of general consumer brands like how weak their social media presence is yeah um especially when you're looking
1: at sort of their organic social media presence because i actually don't think like i don't think it's some sort of like extremely difficult formula i think it's you know, people are willing to sort of forgive uh, content that is a bit rough around the edges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in esports, all the content is a bit rough around the edges because, like, (laughs) very very few of the teams have the budget to have huge studios that are making content, like, all the time. Mm. Um, I think, you know, esports is very quick to sort of... um, capitalize on a sort of more colloquial tone of voice on social media and sort of lean into memes and because of the relative size of the organizations there's less of an approvals process Mm. so things are extremely um, reactionary on social media whereas again these sort of big corporates struggle to be that reactionary on social media which Mm. inevitably means that they don't um, they don't engage with the people that are following them in the same way that
0: esports does Mm. Um, and so you can look at like an esports organization like of our size
1: you know we're uh, hardly turning over huge uh, like amounts of money or have huge teams or whatever, but actually um, we're able to engage our audience and have huge amounts of engagement rates and like really push our message out there for like very little money essentially because it's all organic. Mm. Um, whereas if you look at one of these more sort of traditional sort of fmcg brands because of the sort of level of approvals that they have to go through um they can't be that sort of reactionary and therefore yet yeah, just don't get the sort of organic reach yeah um, i also think something that esports does exceptionally well is give access to the personalities that are involved mm. um i think recently covid has obviously sort of forced everybody to sort of go online with a lot of sort of live streaming and um sort of behind the scenes clips and stuff if you look at sort of traditional entertainment sphere or even if you look at like a brand like uh, instagram their sort of ceo sits down in front of his phone once a week and does a sort of talking two minute update um and i think there is so much power in giving people access to the sort of people behind the brand mm. because it massively humanizes what is you know before just the sort of like product essentially yeah um, Because, like, as people, we don't really connect with brands or with with products. They're sort of inanimate. We connect with other people. Mm. Um, And I think something esports has always been very good at is sort of trying to sort of humanise these brands. And uh, the big-name players, you know, as a fan, you will have access to them in a very sort of intimate, almost one-on-one kind Mm. of experience. Which you just don't get with um, sort of other big... I don't want to say celebrities, because not necessarily celebrities, but, you know, like um, senior leadership team at x massive brand or this sort of influencer or that sports person or whatever um and i definitely think that's something that um when brands have tried to do it and it's worked it's it's looked amazing it's almost looked revolutionary or whatever as i actually think the core principles behind it are very very simple and things that um that anyone could pick up on
0: interesting yeah no i agree and in terms of the the or well social media engagement but actually authenticity behind it as well actually two-way conversations and actually listening and interacting um i feel like we could talk all day um yeah super interesting insight i think the work you're doing is amazing you know we'll be continuing to um keep an eye on what you're doing and hopefully we can work together again in the future. in terms of how we like to end these podcasts, it's always to try and pass, pass the podcast on. So um, do you have a recommendation of who you'd like to see on this podcast in the future?
1: Who I'd like to see on this podcast in the future. I I think it'd be really interesting if you had a journalist come on. Okay. I, I couldn't give you a specific name, but I think, um, I think a journalist from this sort of sphere, I think uh, not necessarily within esports, but I think looking at the sort of business side of entertainment, I think would be really interesting because I think... Um, they're given. I think they have the ability to capture a lot of sort of different stuff that's going on because they're constantly looking at the industry as a whole. Yeah. And so I think they're the first people to pick up on um, interesting macro trends. And so yeah, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Okay. Of
0: recently, nice. So. I like it. Can you yeah. can you can you give me a name? A
1: name. Um, I think. Dream big. it S- Scott. I think his name's
0: Scott Galloway from Pivot, Okay. Uh, which is a podcast. He's an American, uh, uh which it, professor. Uh, yeah, I want to say marketing or business or something mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah very interesting well I will message him off the back of this Alex thanks so much for your time mate and we'll speak soon yeah talk soon mate cheers you've been listening to FYI the podcast featuring the biggest challenges in business and marketing FYI was brought to you by Lovegun an award winning branding and design agency based in London subscribe follow and share on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for plenty more where this came from